number. They'll walk you through the KBB report and give you the best deal for your vehicle. They can pick up your car and even take you where you need to be after the sale. Cut out the anxiety. Get the most for your vehicle at your main Honda of Dublin on Sawmill Road, just south of 270. Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios. Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com. WBNSFM, HD1 Columbus. The fan. Is the Inside Edge. Your home for Blue Jackets news and conversation. Sponsored by Honda Marysville and Mumu Express Car Wash. Proud partner of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Here's Bob McElligot and Jody Shelley. Welcome to the Inside Edge. I'm Bob McElligot, joined by Jody Shelley. And the Blue Jackets are coming off a loss last night. Uh, they, they came back. They came almost all the way back, but lost in Toronto to the Maple Leafs. 5-4 to four was the final score. The Blue Jackets... Uh, now coming home to take on the Anaheim Ducks tomorrow night. And, Jody, this team, all you got to do is look at the numbers. And, you know, sometimes numbers don't tell the story, but they do in this case. The Blue Jackets are a much better team at Nationwide Arena than they have been on the road. Yeah, and, you know, that's an interesting statement here early in this season. Well, we're at the, I guess, almost at the one-third mark of this NHL season. And you're right, Nationwide Arena has become a, a friendly confide for the Jackets. And, not an easy place for the opponent. So that's what you want. But you also want to take that as an extension out onto the road. And, you know, when you look at some of these road games, the Nashville game uh, last night, giving up that early goal and also those two goals in a short segment, seven seconds last night in Toronto and then nine seconds the other night in Nashville, it really kills what you're trying to build. And I thought they were clawing back into the game in the second period. Um were the Blue Jackets against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And they were. And then the power play goal and the one seven seconds later, you almost felt like, okay, now now this total control is lost. So, you know, it's a young team on the road. There's definitely the matchup thing. But also, when you give up that early momentum, it's hard to try to figure out how to get it back. And, Bob, when, you, when you're at Nationwide Arena, I, I think we talk about this all the time, Every game that we've seen so far at home has just been, it doesn't matter what night of the week, it doesn't matter who they're playing, there's a an excitement throughout the game which appears, you know what I mean? It, 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 it starts fun and then something happens where this team just gets the energy of the building going and they ride it. So uh, it's something they need to figure out the energy of on the road and you know they've got a five-gamer coming up after this Anaheim game tomorrow night. And uh, it might be a good time to quickly figure that out. Yeah, yeah, very good time. <laughs> hey, speaking of being a third of the way through the schedule, we're going to talk with Blue Jackets general manager Yarmo Kekalainen coming up in uh, our next segment. But Sean Corrales said something last night after the game, and I, I thought it was really interesting. And I, I don't know that I've ever heard a player put it like he did. The Blue Jackets were down 5-1 to one in that game, and that game looked like it was dead in the water. It was all over. And then, as I said, they get back and they lose 5-4. And Sean said, um, you know, at that point, you don't think the fifth one is that important, but it turns out that the fifth goal is that important. And and that's a lesson. I mean, that's a veteran guy, and, you know, he's known it. He's gone through battles like this throughout the years when he was in Boston with the Bruins. But for some of these young guys, it's kind of a slap-in-the-face lesson, isn't it? That, listen, you, you've got to stop that bleeding because who knows, despite how lopsided it is, it, it is in today's NHL, you can get back in these games. Absolutely. And I think that when you, you know, you sit and watch a couple lines go out and play the right way and then a line goes out and there's a dip and then, the, you know, the next line goes out and tries to get that momentum back. 
Yeah, that that's the message. And it wasn't such a fact that they thought they could he thought they could have won that game last night. You know what I mean? I kind of felt like Toronto was in control most of the night, if not all the night, uh, except that part of the second period. It was that fact exactly that, hey, let's not forget that when it's 3-1 or 4-1, um, you know, these moments of being back in the game when it's 4-2, 4-3 are a lot different than 5-2, 5-3. And, and I think that's a great message because – you're right. You know, the goal at the end of the game with under a second left that made it 5-4, you know, you do have that case of, okay, they lost by one goal. Wasn't that close of a game? No. But the point that the veteran Crowley made was a very good one and a smart one. And maybe those little things, you know, sometimes you just need little reminders or little instances to happen to be like, to, to help you focus, especially in a long season as a professional athlete. So good on him to provide that uh, in-the-moment lesson and not just walk out and, and have a, a, a vague answer to that. That was good. One thing I hope that is, um, that's coming here is Oliver Bjorkstrand's offensive game returning. He had been quiet for quite some time. He comes out of that game with two goals last night, uh, did it in two different ways, a nice, uh, nice backhander along the ice that gets through the pads of Jack Campbell, and then a tip in front of the net, and he gets the puck by Campbell. Uh, look, let's be honest here. This team, you need scoring. There's been a lot of guys that have found the net, but Oliver Bjorkstrand at this point in his career is a guy that you look to to provide offense, not just once in a while, but every single night. Bob, it was, you know, things need to happen. And I think that Oliver got robbed by Campbell just moments before he scored that goal. He had three shots in that shift. He had five shots after two periods, and the previous four games, he had five shots combined. So to me, there's an attitude of, I don't know, maybe he's trying to look to do too much. I know he's had a couple of posts, uh, and we've seen that a lot with Oliver. I mean, he hits a lot of posts. He's got a great shot. He can beat the goalie, and sometimes he's so fine with it, he just misses that mark by a little bit. But you know what? The attitude after he got robbed is the attitude he needs to play with every single shift. And I know that's easy for me to say, but he just kind of said – because we see him on the wall a lot, you know, during that kind of stretch where he's been struggling on the wall, winning battles on the wall, competing. And then, you know, there's the back check or there's the play that breaks down. So when he gets it in the middle of the ice and just has that shooter mentality and that, that grit on the puck, you can see what's going to happen for him. So good on him. Yeah. He deserves rewards. I always like the way he played. I know he's been quiet. I know we expect more now because he is a goal scorer. And when teams lose, or struggling to score, you look to those guys, uh, and he looks in the mirror too. So, yeah, I thought that was good. Hopefully he does break it open, and I think with the, what he did last night, and I think he was so dumbfounded that puck didn't go in the net that he just kind of said, okay, forget this. I got to I gotta will this thing in, and he sure did. Yeah, and, and I, I want to ask you this question about him, where you're talking about him being on the wall, which, which we have seen him there a lot in winning battles, but when you're playing – St. Louis and Nashville and Dallas, I mean, big-bodied teams. You know, I felt like last night he's playing against a team that they're hard to play against, and mm-hmm. and they're going to skate, but it's going to be a skater's game last night. And when you play those bigger physical teams in the West, most of them are, uh, they're going to single out a guy like Oliver Bjorkstrand and try to make sure there's a body on him and that he will become a non-factor in the game. Is, is that Am I right on that? Absolutely. His number is circled on the board, as is Zach Warinsky. And, you know, if you can hit Zach, and I talked to Zach about this yesterday, he won't jump by you. He's not going to get up the ice. But if you don't hit him, 
he's going to beat you up the ice. So if, if you're the guy that hits him, he's like, now I got to beat you and try to get up the ice instead of not hitting him. And then he just goes by. And I think that those teams you mentioned, they want the game to be on the wall. They want it on the wall. They want to grind you down on the wall, get it behind the net and pop it to the defenseman. You're not looking at, you see that a lot with those guys. Uh, and so, you know, for the Blue Jackets, is that set up as well? No, that does not set up as well. But what does set up well is when they can get it off the wall in the defensive zone and then get the attack going up the ice where they can attack off the rush or be quick enough to get in and move that thing around quickly where you have that those plays where a guy like Oliver can find the middle of the ice. Both of his goals last night were right from the middle, and, and that's what he's got to fight for. Is it still, I don't know if the word is amazed, but does it surprise you at all that this league is still so different from one conference yeah. to another conference. Like, remember when the Blue Jackets came from the West to the East, they were the big heavy team. They were built to play in the West against, you know, like the Kings at the time when they were winning cups. And and they came to the East, and all of a sudden you're getting these finesse teams, and you're beating up on them, and, and they're saying, what the heck is going on? And then as you are in the East a couple of years, you kind of morph into that speed and skill game. But there are still teams in the Western Conference. They've added speed. They've added skill, but they haven't taken away their muscle. No, that's right. I mean, there's a lot of them. I look at Anaheim who's coming in tomorrow. They still have some big D. You know, they've still got Getzlaff. They still have that brand of hockey that they like to play, but they've added so much skill and so much speed. Um, but it just seems like there are those teams too, like Dallas. Uh, I thought even the Rangers now, they, they're a different looking team. They play uh, maybe more of a glance style game where he was in Vegas. They're fast. They've got some mobile D, but they also like uh, to to get into the trenches, get into the alleyways. So, you know, I don't know why it always seems like the West plays different, but they play, I think, a simpler brand of hockey. It's more dump, forecheck and hit. And then when they get the pucks, you see a lot of these shots coming from the defensemen right away when they get in the zone to try to break it down that way. And I think that that in the uh, in the East, it's more you see more carrying the pucks around the zone instead of passing around quickly. And there's a lot of these high skilled play through traffic. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just overthinking it, but I, it feels that way, Bob, to start this season again. Um, you know, when I I'd always tell you when I got traded, this was. 2008, uh, no, 2010, I got traded from San Jose to New York. And the first drill we did in practice was a drop pass at the blue line. And I was laughing with the guys in line saying, I haven't done a drop pass at the blue line since uh, Pee Wee. But, uh, you know, it was John Tortorella and it's a crisscross drop. And instead of dumping pucks, it's creating uh, offense at the line. So that maybe it's the coaches, maybe it's the mentality, maybe it's the make up the team. I don't know, but there's definitely something different there. Yeah, and the reason this is worth talking about is because the Blue Jackets, as Jody said, starting tomorrow, it's Anaheim, Western Conference team. Then you go to Seattle. I know they're new, but they're still in the West. Then you're going Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary. The Blue Jackets are going to get a big dose of the Western Conference coming up here over the course of the next week. Coming up next, we're going to talk with the general manager of the Columbus Blue Jackets, Jarmo Kekalainen, and see where he feels his team is at this point of the season. Are they where he thought they would be? Are there surprises? Are there disappointments? You'll find out all of that as we continue with the Inside Edge here on 97.1 The Fan. On air. Online. On the app. New methods of consumption. Same great radio taste. Take us with you everywhere. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. 
Welcome back to the Inside Edge. Here on 97.1 The Fan, Bob McElligot, Jody Shelley with you. And today we are joined by Blue Jackets General Manager Yarmo Kekalainen. Yarmo, uh, just about, what, 24 games in here, 13-11 record for your team. We just wanted to catch up with you. Uh, we talked to you before the season about uh, what you thought you had as a team. Uh, looking at it now, what things do you like that you're seeing with this group and this roster that you've put together? Uh, what What appeals to you right now? Well, it's been it's been an interesting uh, ride so far. Um, we um, when we were twelve and six, you know, the record obviously looks looks better than it does right now. And then we go on a little bit of a losing streak. But I try to always look behind the results and the rec- record and, and look at how we prepare, how we practice, how we how we play, how we execute in the games. And uh, you know, a lot, a lot of it has, has um, exposed our strengths and, and weaknesses. We, uh, when we uh, have success, we play fast. We, uh, we uh, move the puck fast. We skate and uh, have a quick transition game. Um, and when we, uh, when we struggle, we probably turn the puck over a little bit too much. And we seem to have a little bit of trouble uh, defending against the, the bigger, more experienced teams. And, and, you know, that was to be expected. We're, we're young and, and uh, we're not the biggest team this year, but but like I said, when, when we're playing well, we play fast and exa- exciting brand of hockey. When you say about your team being young, it seems like we've gone through this for a number of years where you're the youngest or one of the youngest teams in the league. But I, I want to ask you, in the last maybe two or three years when you fell into that category, you still had some uh, good veterans like you know Nick Foligno and Cam Atkinson were older guys. Um, you know, with those guys moved out, now it really is young, and you're kind of. Do you feel like this is a, a core that is young and gets to grow together, experience all those highs and lows? I mean, as you were just saying, you look uh, be, beyond the record itself. Is it the same thing with this being the youngest team this year? You look beyond, you know, um, just looking at where they're going to be and the way that they grow as a young unit together. Yeah, and it's never our goal to try to be the youngest team in the NHL. You don't win anything in, in, in that competition. So, um, But we had to do a bit of a reset last year with, with uh, Nick Foligno, David Savard moving on. So we knew we were going to be young. We knew we had to be young to, to reset our system a little bit here. We've had some uh, young guys make the lineup that we weren't sure that we're going to do it. You know, we... We thought that there may be a chance for Cole Sillinger to be in the lineup opening night, but nobody's counting on it. Same thing with uh, Igor Chinakov. Those guys have been, uh, I don't know if surprises is the right word, but but they've been pleasant uh, um, discoveries of where they're at right now, I guess, with, with their career a little bit ahead of what we may have thought they were. So that that brings our average age probably younger than than what we had thought of. We still have the veteran guys there, maybe a little bit younger than than our oldest guys last year. We, we got Gus Nyquist, we got uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand, we got uh, Boone Jenner. They, they're they're getting up there now. They used to be the young guys on our team a few years ago. Now now they're the older guys. Jake Voracek is, is an experienced guy, getting close to his thousand games now. So. We still have some vet- veteran power there as well, so it's no excuse being young. Nobody's, uh, you know, you know, you don't get any uh, handicap in the NHL for being younger than the other teams. So um, you just got to battle through it. We got to get stronger. That's the one thing that I, I, I know for sure that that we can improve on. 
and that will improve uh, many areas of our game is just just getting stronger, believing in the process of, of working extremely hard every day in practice and in games to, to get stronger as, as we discover playing against those bigger, stronger veteran teams that, that uh, you know, when we were going on the road trip with 12 and six record and teams, teams were taking notice and, and uh, they took it to us a bit. So we got to find, find ways to get, um, get around that. And uh, right now with, with being a little bit light, I think we have to, Focus on playing fast, moving the puck fast, being fast and quick in transition and and uh, moving our feet all the time. Hey, Armo, so how do you get stronger? Does that mean let these young guys mature or is that more of the attitude and growth of some of your veteran guys as well? I, I think it's a combination of both. And, and uh, you know, you can... You're you're always in in search of of trying to improve your roster too. So you know it could, it could happen that way too, or we can we can add some size and strength into our lineup. But but um, we believe in this group. We we believe in these guys. I think personally, some people have, have disputed my argument when I say that the, one of the easiest things to do is to get stronger. It's it's, it's the, the the will that you, you want to put into it to um, to do the workouts, eat right, live right, and, and get stronger. And, and um, you know, some of the skills that these young guys have, it's hard to teach at this age anymore. But but getting stronger, just get into the gym, eat right, eat a lot, and, and you will get stronger if you stay consistent with the process. So um, I, I think that, um, you know, we have to, uh, as much as we don't like the word patient, we have to be patient and, in, in believing in these guys and grow with them. You know, I, I, I know what you mean, and it's so hard in season to build strength. But this season, it seems like even more. I, I, don't, I, I don't think any of us have ever seen a schedule like this, and we're in a patch right now where, you know, home for one, away for five games. Um, have you ever seen a schedule like this? And what's your biggest concern as a general manager when you look at the schedule as condensed as it is? Yeah, some of it's a little bit unfortunate uh, coincidence. With we were supposed to be in Finland and, and play against Colorado there, and and that didn't happen. So all of a sudden we have this crazy two games in in a week and a half schedule, and then you know because of that we're condensed uh, playing every other day. You know, nobody nobody knew what was going to happen in this environment and with the, with COVID and games getting canceled in Europe or or postponed and. So, so now we, it is what it is, and we have to uh, deal with it. But you know, the times have changed nowadays. They, uh, you know, the guys that don't play uh, over fifteen minutes, they have a full workout after the games, and there's lots of ways. Games will get you stronger too, but you have to really take care of yourself uh, in between the way you recover, the way you do your your flush workouts after the game to recover better for the for the game after and. And uh, you know, eating, eating—it's amazing. You guys know you travel with us. There's food everywhere, all the time. And, and for us, it's not such a good thing. But the players—I mean, that's that's part of the training. That's that's hard. You got to eat all the time in order to uh, to to restore the um, the energy levels and and protein, and and uh, otherwise you lose weight during the year, which Is doesn't that- happen. Which doesn't happen to us traveling with. No, it doesn't. That's impossible, actually. Um, how, how how much has that changed since you got here to Columbus? Because now I notice now 
the team will stay over if they're a two time zones away. They'll stay the night rather than travel back through the night. Uh, you're right. There's not just pizza after the game. It's like there's a real thought out uh, quick meal at the arena. Then there's a meal on board the plane. And then um, has that changed a lot, evolved since even you got here with the Blue Jackets almost a decade ago? Well, we've, we've had, uh, ever since I came here, uh, Ke- Kevin Collins has been with us, and he's, he's a true pro. Nelson was here with us. He's, he's, he's you know, very thorough in, in that process um, all together. And now uh, Kevin, Kevin is leading the department after departure and, and retirement on Nelson. So, you know, that we're, we're in good hands that way. Those guys do a great job in, in, uh, in, in taking care of the boys. Train right, recover right, eat right, nutrition, supplements, all that stuff. It's it's very well and thoroughly thought out. Have you looked at the data during practice? Because I'm amazed at how thorough they are. And I, I always go back to when they were monitoring the goaltenders. I never really thought about the goaltenders in practice. But you get numbers on their how many calories they burn in practice and kind of they, they monitor when they should take a break, when they should do other things. Are you, are you in tune with that too? Yeah, but that's more of the coaches because coach needs to know when when to push them and when to when to sort of let them have an easier day, and and that's the data that's the, the exchanges hands between the, uh, the high performance department, and strength and conditioning, and the head coach of the team. So that uh, you know, sometimes the the coach wants to push the team on the uh, on the mental side of it too, but at the same time, if if the numbers are telling you that no, this is not the day to push them physically and you might want to change that day to the uh the the next or next week to uh to push him mentally because it's just not the right time physically to to do that so um yeah it's it's amazing how much data there is today and just just through the uh, the uh monitoring of the heart rate heart rate variance all that stuff that uh that we get data on with with players during the practices all right since you brought up data and I know there's a lot of it in the general managers and, and, and coaches area. Like us outside, we look at some things, but there's so much. I just, there's some things that I don't get. But what are the important ones for you? Are there some things that are real indicators for where your team is at and where individuals are at? Well, we, we, we get a full report on individuals and the team and, and special teams and all that after every game. So we look at that. Uh, we share that with the coaches. We get data on our upcoming opponents and when they where their strengths and weaknesses are. We share that with the coaching staff. They look at it. They study it. So there's a lot of different things that that we look at, and um, you know, then then coaches turn that into uh, practicing the right things. And uh, you know, we we look at that stuff on the individual level where where our guys are at. And where they're compared to the rest of the league and, and the players on the other teams, some other players that may be available, all, all those comparisons, we, we do that, you know, every day and uh, and big portion of the day, and uh, you know, the numbers. I still believe in the, uh, the eye test and uh, the numbers are a supporting factor, sometimes in, in a negative way, sometimes in a positive way. And if they... If the eye test meets the, uh, the 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 numbers, I think it's a double whammy in in support of a, of an individual or or um, the type of uh, play that we're we're executing. Then great, and if if they um, 
dispute each other, then we should probably dig into it a little bit more and see why. But I, I think that uh, you, you have to believe in it. You have to study it. You have to be open-minded with it. But it cannot be the only thing that, that uh, we look at. It still has to be the eye test of, of, um, of our evaluation of how we play. Yeah, because I think there are guys that do just carry the puck, Bob, extra time and go back just to get their numbers up. <laughs> well, and, uh, I wanted to ask both. I wanted to ask both of you guys this question. I'll start with you, Yarmo. If all of this data was available when you were playing, what would the numbers have come back on you? On me, me? Yeah. Yarmo, oh, go ahead. On Yar- Yarmo, you're first. Oh boy, oh boy, I don't know. Like, I didn't. I didn't get off the bench enough to get good numbers. So. <laughs> I'm the same way. I would have the Depends same. Depends on problem. the league. Depends on the league. I, I, I'll find a. I probably had some decent numbers in in the European leagues and in college, but not and in the American league, but not not in the NHL. So, yeah, I don't know, Bob. I, I as a player, it seems like a lot. Uh, uh, my possession numbers would definitely be very low. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't your game. That wasn't your game at all. We're talking with Blue Jackets General Manager Yarmo Kekalainen. We'll continue that conversation in just a minute. But, hey, if you're coming to tomorrow's game against the Anaheim Ducks, make sure you stop at Section 117 and visit Santa Stinger. For just $10, you can get your picture taken with Santa Stinger, and that $10 will go to benefit the Columbus Blue Jackets Foundation. More with Yarmo Kekalainen as we continue with the Inside Edge on 97.1 The Fan. Matty Ice has a large tattoo on his calf of LeBron eating a lion. I have nothing else to say. Rockman and Ice. Weekdays from noon to 3. The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge here on 97.1 The Fan. The Blue Jackets return to action tomorrow night at Nationwide Arena when they take on the Anaheim Ducks. We are talking with Blue Jackets general manager Yarmo Kekalainen. And Yarmo, we talked, we just talked about how young your team is, but let's talk about some of the guys. There are two guys that you went out and got that are older guys that made their NHL debut this year, Gregory Hoffman and Justin Danforth. And really they have both, well, they're both in the lineup. They're both playing. They're both contributing. Um, when you're looking at those kind of situations and guys like that, you know, what is the thought process? Why did you single out these two? and say, these are the two guys I definitely want to bring into my organization? Well, if you start with Justin uh, Danforth, we uh, we watched him when he was playing in the Finnish League. He was a leading scorer of the Finnish League, a player that was very dedicated to to getting better, come from college to East Coast League to, to, to American League to, or, you know, limited American League to, to going to Finland. And, and growing there to the, uh, the leading scorer of the league, and then getting into the KHL and being one of the top scorers in the KHL. I mean, this guy's paid his dues. He's, he's, it's all through dedication and hard work where he's, he's at in his career right now. You can tell just by looking at him and you guys see him in this, in this, uh, street clothes, you can tell that he's, he's put together that guy's, that guy's done a lot of work to, to, uh, be able to play hockey on a high level at, at, you know, he's not the biggest guy as far as the height goes, but he is, he is a, uh, he's well built. Let's put it that way. He's, he's done, you can tell he's done a lot of work on his body to, to be able to play at that size and being a, a real pleasant, uh, player to watch as far as just, um, the improvement from, I thought he had an average camp and, and, uh, 
you know, maybe a, an adjustment period there. He's, he's an older player coming to his first NHL camp and, uh, playing against NHL players in exhibition. He was, he was a bit tentative. I thought nervous maybe, and, uh, didn't play his game as, as, as what we had seen him do in Europe. But then he went down to the minors, had some real good games, earned the, um, the call up. And he's been a totally different player now um, since he's been back. Been been very good, in my opinion. And, and found, we've found many, many different ways of, of using his skills. He's taken face-offs now. He's played a center mostly in Europe. He's played wing mostly in our lineup, but taking key face-offs, being one of the only right-handed guys that can take face-offs in our lineup. And it's there's such a big importance for that knowing what the statistics are on players' strong side versus the weak side in face-offs. And so you need that right-handed shot that, that can take face-offs. And Jack Roslovic's the only other guy um, on our team. And, and face-offs, quite frankly, haven't been the biggest strength of Jack's game so far, but he's improving. So, um, But just the tempo of, of Danforth's game, the pace that he plays in, the tenacity, um, and, and has had some success in, in the offensive end now too. So I, I think he's still going to grow. I, I'm, I'm excited about the progress and, and, and I am very pleased with the way that he competes and works. And, and that's always been his trademark. So um, look forward to uh, him improving another notch or two and, and making an impact in our lineup. Uh, Hoffman was a, was a top level international player. Gregory um, played for Swiss national team pretty much in every event, the world championships uh, every year, leading scorer in the Swiss league every year. Um, shown some great flashes so far. I think he's very, very close to breaking through and, and making an offensive impact like he always has. Um, got moved up in the lineup yesterday, got a nice assist. And, um, you know, he's got world-class speed, quickness, explosiveness. And, um, you know, he's, he's created a lot of offense. Just, I think the final touch in ex- executing, uh, when he gets the opportunities to finish is, is, has been close, but not quite there. And I think he'll get there, but, uh, both players have been, been everything that we expected. And, and, um, I think maybe even more as far as, you know, you never know how they adjust to the North American style, but I, I think both have adjusted very well. Probably shouldn't say that about a Canadian player like Danforth, but he's played most of his successful career in in Europe. So I'll, I'll put him in that same category and adjusting into the NHL pace, anyways. But both both of them have shown uh, maybe even more upside than we thought uh, when we signed him, and, and that's that's a great thing to have. I got, I just wanted to ask you about uh, Zach Wierenski. You know, interesting situation for him with Seth Jones leaves. Uh, you wonder what we're going to see in him. Um, what are you seeing, Zach, so far to start this season? I think he's taking this game to another level. I think he's becoming a leader, a big leader on our team. The minutes that he he does, the matchups that he does every night, the offense we've always known it's there. But but he, you know he's a big guy, he's a strong guy, he's, he's hard guy to play against because of his strength and and mobility and and um, ability to defend as well. So I, I think that, you know, he, he wanted the uh, extra responsibility. He's taken it. He's um, thriving with it. And, uh, and um, you know, he's having a good season. And 
and hopefully he'll play in the Olympics for USA. And I think he deserves to do that. And, um, you know, Zach, Zach's going to be our leader for, for many, many years to come. Well, Yarmo, we, uh, we appreciate your time. Are you going to go on this long road trip with the team or no? Oh yeah. Most yeah. Definitely. yeah. Looking forward to seeing Seattle for the first time. I mean, it's something new for all of us. Uh, you know, a uh, brand new city in the league, uh, a refurbished arena I, that that'll be exciting won't it yeah absolutely and i i can i'm very familiar with the city because of the junior team that i i go see and scout and and my days in uh, amateur scouting so seattle was always one of my favorite cities to stop in and because you know you do the uh, the west coast trip you go to vancouver and british columbia and then you go down to uh to uh portland seattle and everett and to uh to scout the uh, the west coast of of USA at Spokane all those places so uh, I look forward to going there it'll be interesting to see how the rinks uh um renovation after the renovation I've heard a lot of great things about it it was uh, more of a basketball rink when the junior team played there and and um so you know it's, it'll be really exciting and to see how how they did it when they went underground and basically uh redid the whole thing for the same location and I want to ask you one more thing. Uh, speaking of development, you re-upped in your affiliation agreement with the Cleveland Monsters this week, so they will continue to be the American Hockey League team uh, for the next couple of years uh, at the very least. But just tell me about the relationship that you have with the folks in Cleveland and how good that that affiliation has worked for the Blue Jackets. Yeah, it's great. I, uh, you know, you see the benefits to look just like on Monday, I, it's so easy to go up there to watch a game, watch the monsters play and our prospects play a couple hours up north and, and you're there and you're back in your own bed by midnight. So it's, it's, uh, you know, for us management, that's a great thing for the players. It's the same thing. It's an easy travel. We can call up guys or send guys down for, for whether it's conditioning or assignment uh, very quickly, especially when we're at home. But even when we're on the road, Cleveland has, has great connections. We got Daniel Tarasov emergency recall in the morning guys got sick and he was he was uh there with the direct flight in the afternoon so it's those, those are important things that have that can be uh you know very um very different in some other places like we were in springfield before and and, and a very traditional great hockey city as it is it's not as easy to get to us as, as cleveland is or not as easy to get from springfield to wherever we're at if we're on the road, than, than it is from Cleveland. So, uh, world class organization, facility, you know, major league sports city, all those things that that uh, that that you want with your affiliate, and um, you know, they were they've been a great partner to work with. All right, well, Yarmo again, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Uh, get your rest after the game tomorrow. It's red eye to Seattle, and then a long, long, long trip here leading up to Christmas. Don't forget the uh, the time difference. We'll get there. Uh, you know, red eye, red eyes going with the time difference the other way. <laughs> He's a veteran traveler, Bob. Yeah, He's right. a veteran traveler. He's gone to Finland. <laughs> He's been to Russia and back. He just doesn't stop. Yeah, I, you know what? I used to in the amateur scouting. I lived in Detroit area, and I used to take the red eye from Seattle to Detroit always on Sunday after the games. I'd be home by uh, six o'clock in the morning. And you'd stay up all day, right? And then just go no, to bed. I went, right, I went right to bed and not alone. <laughs>
<laughs> Yarmo, thanks again. We really do appreciate it. Uh, love getting the update and, and your perspective on where the team is. And uh, we will see you tomorrow. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Yarmo. That is Blue Jackets general manager Yarmo Kekalainen. Hey, a lot's gone on this week in the National Hockey League. Jody and I will get you caught up to speed as we continue with the Inside Edge here on 97.1 The Fan. Head to 971thefan.com to listen on demand and subscribe to all our podcasts. Wasting time has never been easier. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. We're getting ready to wrap up this week's edition. And Jody, there is a ton of stuff that happened in the National Hockey League this week. And it starts with coaches. Vancouver fired Travis Green. They hired Bruce Boudreaux. Philadelphia fired Elaine Vigneault. Mike Yo was put in as the interim head coach there. So two guys lose their jobs. The one in Vancouver really hits home because the Blue Jackets are about to go to Vancouver and play next week. They're going to see the Canucks under Bruce Boudreaux. But um, that time of the year, right, the coaches have had their opportunities and those that weren't getting the most out of their team, the GMs decided to make changes. You know what? Yeah, it's uh, underachieving teams. You know, you wonder what last year with COVID, you know, teams did do things. I mean, you look at the Montreal Canadiens and some of the unique circumstances they had. Can you really assess your team? No, I, you know, the disappointments, you almost say, well, was it because of this? Was it because of the fans? Was it because of the players? So you get in at game 20, 25 of this season. Uh, and there were points where, you know, when Travis Green was here with the Vancouver Canucks, that's when it broke that they were looking for a new coach. They were actively interviewing new, uh, other coaches for that position. You know, they were, they were waiting for the shoe to drop anytime that night. And that was a week ago. Um, and then he gets fired this week, a couple days ago there. And yeah, Boost Boudreaux gets hired on the spot. He's on a short-term deal uh, this year and into next year. And you know what? He's already made a pretty good impression. Bruce Boudreaux is a lighthearted guy who demands a lot, but it's a different approach. And, you know, coaches and or GMs hope that they make those changes so that it does they do get what they, they think they have out of their team. And that's really what they're looking for now. Um, yeah, you're right. This is you, how long can you go? I mean, once you're 12 points out of the playoffs, you know, you can work your way in if you can go on a run, but you also need some help from the other teams. And right now it's not too late, but you know, if you wait until Christmas or beyond, then you you pretty much may as well wait the whole season. Yeah. And for, for Vancouver, actually, they changed the whole thing. Jim Benning was fired as the general manager as well. So it was actually the owner that hired Bruce Boudreaux. Stan Smeal is the interim GM right now. They are uh, in search of a general manager. Uh, Stan Smeal is a lifelong Vancouver Canuck. In fact, in his press conference, he said, I have been a Canuck for 40-plus years. And ironically, my first year in the American Hockey League, when I went to Syracuse, we were finishing up a Vancouver affiliation before the Blue Jackets came into existence, and Stan was the head coach there. And he is – I I think it's great for him. I'm I feel safe in saying he probably doesn't want that spotlight he has right at the moment because he's that kind of a guy, but he is a, he's a terrific guy and, um, and he'll, he'll hold down the fort until they figure out what they're going to do there. But it, it's not that often that an owner goes out and, and hires the next coach, but that's what happened there. Yeah. Before a GM is in place, you know, that, that, um, because now you got a hired GM that likes the guy to get into that situation can work with the coach. Usually the GM is hired, but but yeah, the, you know the Aquilini family they they're up close and and that's their team and they understand the passion of the fans out there in Western Canada and 
specifically Vancouver. So, I mean, I don't mind that. I mean, if you're the owner of the team and you want to do that, good for you. And um, so we'll see where it goes. But that is a team that should be playing better. Uh, you know, I thought Travis Green did a heck of a job there, and he's a great young coach. So we'll see where he turns up. But you know what? It's uh, They made some moves where they moved Markstrom out a couple of years ago, a great goaltender. They didn't think they needed him. They thought they were better. Uh, that was after the Sedins retired and they had Pedersen and Besser and they still have all those players. Uh, but now it just seems like something's missing there. And I wonder if that impact of Markstrom, Swedish veteran netminder, maybe helped Pedersen a little bit. You know, those are things that you can't forget because at the end of the day, the hockey is the great part, the fun part, but there's intangibles off the ice that, um, sometimes teams, you know, miss on and, and that could be a big hole that, uh, has changed the dynamic of that locker room. That's a really great point. And, I, I think it was a no-brainer when the Sedins retired that something was going to change, and there might be a dip. There wasn't really a dip. And now it's ironic because there is some speculation that the Sedins, who are working in the organization, I, I've seen stories where it's even been speculated that they could be co-GMs, where Henrik and Daniel were the general managers of the Vancouver Canucks. I don't know if they're ready for that, but uh, that would sure wow. be interesting. That sure would be interesting. You know, obviously they're great hockey guys on the ice and, you know, they, they work so well together. I'm not sure, you know, GM is, yeah, I would love to see it. I mean, why not? I just, I just think that some, sometimes things get overcomplicated. If those two guys took the reins and they understand well, those, those two, those two would be one anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean? Yeah. I don't think there'd be, well, maybe there'd be some healthy arguments, but it'd probably be good for each other, you know, <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Um, Let's talk about Philly. Elaine Vigneault, you still have uh, a lot of guys that you know yeah. from Philadelphia. Uh, Jake Vorchek, of course, just came from Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, that's a team they expected to do much more. And, and they're struggling. And, and who knows what the, what the end game is for them when it comes to their coach. But Elaine Vigneault just didn't work there. No, and that, uh, you know, it's crazy because he's got a couple years left on a big contract. I think he's up around four or five million dollars a year. And, you know, that's, that was the move they had to make. And, uh, he was brought in just recently. Uh, he's a guy that, um, you know, did some good things there, but now he's got a team that's not responsive. And, and, you know, Atkinson had a great start there, but he's not scoring. Ben Reemsteak's on a big contract. He's on the third line. He's not playing top power play. So now they bring in Mike Yo in an interim position. Um, they're trying to get things going. And, you know, they're a team that um, doesn't play a big puck possession game. They kind of dart in and out of the uh, up in the play and out of the play. You don't really feel like they sustain a lot of pressure. So I don't know if that was the way Vino had them playing. But we'll see who they bring in there. Maybe Mike Yo does get the job. If for John Totorella might be in there. We don't know that. Could you, you know, imagine that? That, that would be uh, <laughs> sure. Anything's possible right now. What about Rick uh, Tockett? His name's been out there, too. Yeah, that makes more sense to me. He was a former flyer, great flyer, good Pittsburgh Penguin. He's won two, a couple cups as a coach, as a player. Um, you know, that one makes the most sense. But also, I mean, so does Torts. I, we, we know how he can, can get the attention of people right away. Uh, we appreciate and love what he does and what he did here in Columbus. So, you know, maybe uh, I would, the fire and the passion of being a flyer would be back. It'd be a different version of the Broad Street Bullies, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, it would be. And I, I would just, I, I would just love to see all those people who obviously hated him when he came in with the Rangers or anybody else. Then yeah. they would love him. They would love him in an instant in Philly. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes you need that. So it seems like a group that needs a little direction and, uh, boy, he'd be, 
It wouldn't take long to get them get them figured out what direction they want to go. That is the Inside Edge. Uh, we wrap it up tomorrow night. Blue Jackets and the Anaheim Ducks, 7 o'clock at Nationwide Arena. Pre-game coverage starts at 6.30 right here on The Fan. That is going to do it tonight. For Jody Shelley, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long, and thanks for listening to the Inside Edge on 97.1 The, the Fan. The Fan Guest Hotline is sponsored by Sears Heating and Cooling and Bryant. Doing whatever it takes to keep you and your home comfortable. The